Hey guys, it's Mina. Before we get started today, wanted to remind you to check out the first draft podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, friend of the show Field Yates. They discuss the latest intel they're hearing leading up to April's draft every Monday and Thursday. Check out First Draft wherever you get your pods and on ESPN's YouTube page. Welcome back to the Minicon Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks the Panthers should change their slogan from keep pounding to keep adopting. That's Lenny. Oh, I got a laugh. I got a laugh from our guest, and it is Patrick Clavon of NFL Network. Welcome back to the show. Good to be back, and I, I'm glad that Lenny is willing to share his wit and wisdom with, with everybody. And, and yes, uh, everybody should, should always go adopt. It's the best way. It makes it, it. It solves two problems at once. And it is how Lenny entered my life and changed it forever. Um, speaking of lives being changed forever, Patrick, I don't know if you watch The Bachelor, but uh, I'm going to use the Chris Harrison voice. This is the most dramatic offseason ever. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Do you disagree? No, I mean, it, it, every single day there has been something. It feels like since the Combine every single day and it's not like when chris harrison used to say it and it's the most emotional right but it's the exact same plot line i believe that happened in this most recent rendition of the bachelor where we yeah. we had the exact same plot line other than right um it got pretty know, crazy at coming the out later yeah it, it did get the, the, this late latest one yeah, yeah but honestly um I, I can't remember a season like this since i started working for the league in 20 in 2014 and it's one after one after one and you know it, it made Right, even planning for this podcast difficult. It's made the past few shows that I've done on air difficult, uh, but it, it's it's change and and it's it's constant. And I, I guess that's a reminder of, of of what we're always dealing with. Well, also I think like a reminder that there's been a bit of a sea change in the NFL in terms of quarterback mobility. Some of that driven by the quarterbacks themselves. Some of it driven by various unusual circumstances this off season. But it is so dramatic that Aaron Rodgers, after you know an endless saga of emotional terrorism <laughs> goes back to green Bay mega contract. And no one cares. We barely talked about it because so many other crazy things have happened. I keep sending you rundowns and then things keep getting pushed back down the rundown. Like we're going to talk about the Devonte Adams trade, the best wide receiver in the NFL got traded. And it's like item five on our show today. Um, so we're going to start. So <laughs> I'm going to, I keep doing this, but we are taping folks. Uh, on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. So if anything count. else, listen, <laughs> if anything else changes between now and then regarding Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo, well, I'm sorry, this isn't live. Uh, but the latest piece of mega news and the one I want to start off by talking to you about is the Matt Ryan trade to Indianapolis. So um, just to talk about it first from you know Ryan's perspective and I guess Indianapolis. Uh, the deal, yeah, well, actually, I should actually probably start before then. It really started when the Falcons started aggressively pursuing Deshaun Watson. And I think at one point appeared to be really the leader in the clubhouse. We'll get to that whole, you know, everything that happened there later when we talk about Deshaun to the Browns. But um, once that happened, the Falcons, who before then were reportedly going to restructure Ryan's co contract to lower his cap hit, which would have made him basically untradeable, kind of hit pause on everything. They hit pause on his roster bonus, all of it, because they were going after Deshaun. Um, 
I like not to get moralistic about this, but I was like, Matt, get the hell out of there, man. Like you've been nothing but great to this franchise. You're still a good quarterback. I hope he leaves. Sorry, Falcons fans. And he left. Um, so he was traded to the Colts uh, for a third round draft pick. Uh, the Colts take on pretty reasonable cap hits. Uh, I think it was 24.7 this year, 28.2 next, although they are absorbing the roster bonus I just saw on top of that. But again, pretty reasonable, notably less than what Carson Wentz exactly. cost Washington. And <laughs> they got more draft picks for Carson Wentz. So, Patrick, let's just start from the Colts perspective. How do you like this for them? I love it. Matt Ryan is likely going to cross 60,000 passing yards. He's within striking distance, depending on how Frank Reich wants to air it out of Phillip Rivers, maybe Ben Roethlisberger, if we want to get spicy. Uh, but in terms of the turnaround, like you mentioned it, uh, they were for some reason committed to Carson Wentz and to giving Philly a, a first round pick by sending Carson Wentz out there on two bad ankles for multiple games. Uh, for some reason, like I, I couldn't tell you what it was, but, but ultimately it did end up that they were going to give that first round pick away, like even before the last game. And you, you have a situation where you're paying Carson Wentz 26 million plus for 2022. And now it's 24 plus the, you know, the, the roster bonus for Matt Ryan. And you're using the, the Wentz pick. I'm not sure if it's that 82nd pick or not, but the pick that they got from the commanders to get Matt Ryan in the first place. And so like, clearly the initial Wentz trade was a disaster. Uh, but to bounce back from that, considering where they were after that game in Jacksonville, it, it worked out for Chris Ballard. And it, it really is going to work out for the Colts. Um, because as you mentioned, right, Matt Ryan isn't 2018 Matt Ryan, uh, probably not even 2019 Matt Ryan. But he's he's such an upgrade over Carson Wentz. And, and I'd argue over 2020 uh, Phillip Rivers as well. Yep. And this team is, I, I think, better than they were then too. And so you get a legitimate shot with Darius Leonard and, and this group of Colts players that, that really deserve uh, a quarterback that befits the team. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had an MVP case last year and at the running back position in 2021. And, and <laughs> that is a thing that makes people feel itchy and weird, but they, they were good. <laughs> they deserve Matt Ryan and I'm happy for the Colts. The other side. Ugh, I, yeah, I, we'll get to the other side. We'll get to the Falcon <laughs> side in a second. Um, but just sticking with Colts and, and Ryan. Yeah. Like I, I think, you know, the NFL media's love of Chris Ballard is kind of a meme at this point and certainly <laughs> was challenged by the Carson Wentz trade, although that, you know, was seemingly driven by Frank Reich, but he really turned that ship around. I mean, just again, you know, did did you give up ultimate first round pick? It was a mistake. But the ability to upgrade at quarterback uh, and actually get an extra pick out of it and some cap relief, I mean, it, it, it's pretty remarkable unless Ryan totally falls off a cliff. Um, now, as far as Ryan himself, you know, I, have, I, I should probably preface this by saying I am an irrational Matt Ryan stan. I have been for a long time. I, <laughs> I was kind of, I've argued forever that he's been underrated. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like not many people actually watched him last year. And if you did, you saw he's still a good quarterback. Um, but notably, he's a good quarterback when he's not pressured. We, the, the splits when he's pressured, not pressured, are dramatic, which is often the case, by the way, with older quarterbacks. Like you look at Brady's splits, they're crazy. Uh, unfortunately, in Atlanta, he played behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, arguably with one of the gr worst skill groups of skill players in the NFL right after they lost Ridley. Um and so terrible situation. But whenever he was kept clean, I thought you saw uh, the same, you know, just accuracy, uh, efficiency, uh, I would say risk aversion that 
has been a hallmark of his over the course of his career and is certainly fits in well with what Frank Reich wants to do on offense, which is, um, you know, not, I mean, it's obviously a run heavy offense, but, um, and it's very RPO heavy, at least it was last year, but you know, he, he wants a quarterback who can take care of the football, who can hit his check downs, which is something Carson Wentz would, would often refuse to do. And I also think, um, you know, while Matt's arm strength has diminished somewhat, it's still decent. Like I still remember him making some reasonable deep throws and now he gets to go play in a dome again, which would have been my, I think one concern of if Matt Ryan had gone to like a cold weather city, I mean, I wanted him in Seattle, whatever. Now he gets to go to another dome. And, and I, so for me, Matt, Patrick, I think the question now is not really about Ryan or the value, which we both agree is good. It's whether this Colts roster is good enough to compete in the AFC, because there are still holes left tackle, wide receiver, and I would say cornerback stand out to me. Yeah, and, and they just made the player-for-player player swap, uh, sending Rocky Sin away. And I, honestly, I like player-for-player player trades. I think we could go for some more of those as well. It's Same. it's not – it's not the upper echelon of rosters like we, we can talk about this Bills team and, and, and like just looking at the the contenders, right? Um, who's making the moves and who is in a position to do so uh, to take a shot? Sorry, they, they can, loudly loudly pouring a spindrift. No, Sorry. Mina, as much spindrift as you can get into your body, I, I think is is what we're looking at this to point. Do. My body is like sixty percent <laughs> spindrift, thirty percent water. I, I, well, it's, I it's all natural for all this. Right? All the spawn con. Anyways, continue. <laughs> but there's there's just you you have hope now, whereas you, you couldn't beat the team with the number one overall pick uh, sitting there in, in the Jacksonville Jaguars towards the end. So it's an obvious upgrade there. And, and again, I, I do think you know it's it, it's a better team uh, and a better quarterback now than than the 2020 edition. Uh, um, are they right? Can we look for look at them and say, "Oh, this is clear cut a favorite in the AFC"? I, I don't think we can, but no. they 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 have an opportunity. And you mentioned Matt Ryan's risk aversion, and a lot of people, you know, took shots at him and Julio for the inability to score touchdowns. And maybe he could have taken some more risks earlier in his career, but he can still pick his spots. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's not. I, I don't think. Of course, everybody over the age of 36 is taking huge strays all week where it's like, oh, Matt Ryan's going to be 37 as if that's the verge of death. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't I don't think that Matt Ryan is this old washed quarterback. He moved last year because he had to in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be asked to do even less. And I think that's a win for Indy. He actually moved like decently well, I thought. Yeah. There were a few times I would make jokes about his wheels. But I, I think you hit it when you said um, – it's an upgrade over 20, uh, 2019 or 2020 Philip Rivers, whatever. The last season of Philip Rivers' career, yeah, I think, who, who was older. <laughs> Philip Rivers right, was a couple years, at least, older than Ryan. And um, I do think Matt Ryan is better at this point than Philip was at this point in his career. Uh, as far as the holes in the roster, yes, they left tackle. Um, Eric Fisher's still out there. I think Toronto Armstead's probably going to be out of their price range. He's being linked to Miami a lot. Uh, Dwayne Brown, as much as he would go back to Seattle, is available, but not a ton of options. And then a wide receiver could be a reunion with Julio. Um, Jarvis Landry is available at this moment. Will Fuller. And then there's a bunch of cornerbacks, actually. So I could they have $17 million in cap space right now. I could see them adding another piece, but clearly they're going to have to do some work in the draft, which now they've got at least a pick, another, you know, <laughs> third rider, because... Um, 
yeah, like the I, I could probably name six or seven AFC teams that look more stacked than them right now. But that that's more about the insanity of the AFC than it is about the Colts. Yeah, it, it's it it'd be un- I don't want to say unfair because this is a you know Chris Ballard has assembled a roster that can compete and can win. Uh, and there are some holes that, that they've had for a couple of years, right, that they could have tried to improve upon. And, and they've, they're on another retread quarterback yet again. But they're still in contention. And, and it's not like the next team we're going to talk about. It's not like a lot of these teams where there's no hope. Um, and, and they've given themselves a shot. And, that, and that's all that's all I'm really looking for if, you, if you're a fan. Uh, just, just an opportunity to find some guys you can fall in love with and talk about for the next 20 years. I feel the same way. You know, this is always a question with, like, fandom. It's like – do you is it all in for the Super Bowl or do you take you know and I think fielding a good competitive team is what makes fandom fun you don't have to be the best roster because football's weird nobody thought the Bengals were the best roster last year um and I think this team is good enough to where you want to keep competing that's exactly what they're doing meanwhile on the other side of the football universe, uh, you've got Atlanta absorbing a $40 million dead cap hit with this trade, which would have been worse if they had restructured him. Um, that's the bad news. The good news is in 2023, they have $121 million in cap space, which I think is second behind the Bears. I, that was, I checked that this morning. Could have changed right now. So th- they basically finally ripped the Matt Ryan Band-Aid off. Um and, you know, they're ready to start new. They bring in Marcus Mariota. On, I would say giving him a lot more money than I expected, actually. It was like two years, 20 million, two year, $18 million, and I'm sure a lot less guaranteed. But um, clearly a bridge quarterback. Um, I guess I'll start by saying this. Falcons feels like this is something you probably could have done last year uh, and drafted a quarterback. Yet there was a guy who was from... Atlanta, who was available, Uh, you took a tight end, but whatever, that's last year. They're here now. How do you view this team going forward? What do you think they should do next? It's so bleak, Mina. Um, Honestly, as you mentioned, right, the good news is that 2023 exists, but it's March 2022. (laughs) Like, you would like to have a football team here. And I think the first part, right, because we talked about fandom, there's 14 years with Matt in Atlanta. Um, and it makes me think of, of how unfair perception is in that if any one of 17 different things happen uh, that that evening in February, uh, then we're talking about Super Bowl champion Matt Ryan. Um, but we don't. Um, and it's, it's kind of unfair in terms of the way we evaluate people based on the results of one game at the end of a long season. But, but they have $6 million in effective cap space, according to Over the Cap. Right. And so if we look at the teams in that vicinity, there's the Chiefs, the Titans, the Buccaneers, the Bills. These are teams that are actively spending to try to win. And I understand that there is a reluctance to try to push money to the future when you're not super invested in certain players. But I would like to see a team play football. Right. (laughs) Try to win football games. And I get that sunk cost is a logical fallacy, but this is the best quarterback in franchise history. I think you just let him finish the contract that he got that 40 plus million dollars at signing for, especially as you mentioned, once you've made the decision to not take Justin Fields, once you've made this decision that you're in the world that you currently exist in, why not just let him finish out the contract instead of getting a third round pick and just having nothing to feel great about for, for an entire year. I, I, I'm not sure I understand it that much. 
Yeah, that, that, I think that's the other thing about the pick. It's just, it feels like if they had made this move sooner, they could have accelerated the rebuilding process and certainly gotten something better than this. Heck, if they had tried to move him at the beginning of free agency rather than waiting until after the whole Deshaun Watson pursuit, which, you know, I mean, it just feels like horribly mishandled. Um, and then when you look at the roster, like I've got, I got their depth chart in front of me, not a lot of building blocks, you know? I mean, you got... Uh, Yes. Alameda is a Kias, Mina. That's wide receiver one right now. Um, <laughs> Let's get it. P- Kyle Pitts, I guess, is really wide receiver one. Um, they kept Cordero Patterson. Grady Jarrett's still on this team. Uh, AJ Terrell is amazing. They have a couple of competent players on defense. Um, but then they did things like sign Lorenzo Carter and give him a lot of I, like I don't I, strategic. Oh, I'm sorry. The most important building block, Young Haiku, has been retained for five years. Yes. Um, priorities, you know, they're not going to be good. This is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I do think Mariota, like, so we haven't seen Marcus Mariota play since that chargers game in 2020. If I remember the one that went to overtime where he like came in when Derek Carr got hurt. Wait, that was 2020 now last year, right? God, the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know which, which these years are. Well, okay. The so last two, I, I get lost in them every single time. Okay. So the, the, here's what happened. I remember the game because Carr got hurt early Mariota comes in the first thing that shocks everyone is his gray hair I think this is like the first time we had seen Marcus Mariota in like three years and everyone was like oh my god time has passed he looks good but time has passed um and he came in he looked good he was he had I remember he like let a touchdown drive maybe two uh he was running really well but then he threw an interception at the game end of the game and and lost but you know he's a he's a bridge quarterback and I think as a Falcons fan, the best case scenario at this point is this season, you kind of figure out, okay, we've got Terrell, maybe we a couple of the guys we draft are building blocks, um, find a wide receiver, you know, fix the offensive line a little bit. Just get, you, you want a few building blocks, and then next year, with your probably high draft pick, you get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Yeah, you, you, you try to draft well, uh, which, you know, you, you think about the A.J. Terrell pick. Uh, some some moves that they've made here recently. Um, if you have that kind of success, things can go well. I, I would just I would just like it's it's tough to just throw an entire season away. To me, um, it, it it gives me a bad feeling. Uh, honestly, I, I I think maybe we could uh, do some draft reformation, maybe abolish the draft if we want to get super spicy. Wow, you're That's getting like real big picture. Honestly, well, the fact that we talk about it, right? When when you're in March and, and we're thinking about teams winning three or four games and that maybe that's the plan, um, it, it doesn't make me feel good um, at all about the state of things. I would like to get rid of a, any system that incentivizes that behavior mm. um, personally. Uh, and also we could, you know, have some liberatory aspects for young players. Anyway, I, I would be off on a tangent on that. I'd rather, I'd rather, okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I'd rather be bad and get Bryce Young than go like, I don't know, six and 11 personally. But yeah, well, Falcon, but Falcon fans, I just feel for you so much. You know that the Bane quote from The Dark Knight? You think darkness <laughs> is your ally. You, yes. you, merely, you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. That's what I think about. Like every time I see fans complaining, I just think about Falcons fans. Like, it's they were tough. truly in the darkest, continue to be in the darkest place. I love them. I love how like nihilistic they are at this point. It cracks me up. I want nothing but the best. I, I loved Matt Ryan. I'm still loving Falcons fans. I want nothing but the best for you. I hope you get Bryce Young. Um, 
I, I will work on tanking slogans. I'll try harder. <laughs> right now, I have sacrifice for Bryce, uh, which I feel like is good. But you know, if you guys win thrice for Bryce, win thrice, win twice. If you guys have any <laughs> other lose loud for Stroud, um, give way for CJ. I don't know. My mind is open on that one. A lot of time. Um, okay, so that was the big trade. Let's move on to the sort of QB carousel spinning. Why is it a carousel? I don't know. Because you don't get on and off a carousel. No, it's it's kind of a start-stop preposition. It, it, it'd be more like a revolving door or maybe like a rotating Very sushi bad. restaurant or something like that. <laughs> yes, the sushi conveyor belt that is <laughs> the quarterback offseason. So um, another domino falls, not too surprising, after the Watson move, which we'll get to shortly. Saints re-signed Jameis Winston. Uh, two years, up to $28 million, $20 million guaranteed, million dollars guaranteed, pardon me. Uh, this just kind of tells me that the Saints think they can win. You know what I mean? Like, I think the Saints had really two options, either bring back Winston, who, you know, was decent for them before getting hurt last season. Maybe not as good as his record, but, you know, wasn't turning the ball over at least. And certainly benefited from the quarterbacks who came after him. Or... I thought they might drop someone. And this tells me that they think, hey, we got we still have one of the better defenses in the NFL. Sure, we need another wide receiver, but the line is still good, even without without Armstead. Let's just bring back the guy we're familiar with, not a ton of money, and try to win now. Yeah, m- more money than he got last year, but it was it was almost uh it was borderline thievery, uh, considering what Jameis signed for in terms of what you actually got in production from him. It it feels like the ghost of Sean Payton is is still kind of running this team the way that they've tried to keep everything together. Hopefully uh, they are more judicious in their pursuit of talent around Jameis. I I know Michael Thomas is going to be back this year and that changes everything, right? You you turn twos into threes and and threes into fours and the offense gets a little bit better. Uh, Teron Armstead is is still one of the best players in the league. uh, So losing him is if, if he still decides to go somewhere else. And I don't, I don't know if financially they're capable of bringing him back, but um, you know, we, we've, we saw a, a finally like multiple starts for LASIK Jameis. And I, I think the, the thought was vindicated. Uh, Jameis could see better and it worked out for him. Um, I, I hope he's able to, to come back from this particular knee injury. Uh, but I don't see it as it, considering the th- the way things went at the end of the year, the quarterback situation in New Orleans could have been a lot worse yeah. um, than Jameis Winston. And there are a couple of other quarterbacks that we'll talk about here in a second that, um, you know, would be a downgrade, I, I think, from Jameis. So it's it's a good spot in a team that gave the Buccaneers real trouble. Uh, yes. a, a team that with Jameis would have been in the conversation last year. Yeah. And so I, I understand running it back and I understand doing all of the cap maneuvering. Uh, to keep the team together, and especially in the light of other teams that are not doing that level of manipulation uh, in order to maintain their rosters, and you and you kind of wonder why, why yeah. they're not. Yeah, they, like they still have um, the draft pick now because of you know not trading or trading away and not spending on a quarterback. Well, I assume they are going to spend on a quarterback, so they could try to address either left tackle or wide receiver there. Um, you know, I mentioned a bunch of the free agent wide receivers who are still out there. Right now, comically, the Saints have the four, fourth most cap space in the NFL with all their departures and restructures, $26 billion. Oh, the Saints. At some point, the uh, FBI is going to financially investigate you, but not today. Um, so, yeah, this one is not, not super surprising after the Watson stuff shook out the way it is. What is surprising, I think, is the consequence in Cleveland. Not, not Again, we're going to talk about Watson after this, but the 
Baker Mayfield of it all. Um, because now, because of the way things have shook out with all of the various quarterbacks ending up where they did, with Russell Wilson being on the move, with Pittsburgh deciding Mitch Trubisky seemingly want to go, wanting to go cheap, um, and you know Jameis going back, all of it, and then the Matt Ryan trade. Baker Mayfield is well. There's two guys who are the odd men out: Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so both players who I think Patrick, if you and I had talked about this at the very be- at the very end of the NFL season, I mean we would assume that Baker would have you know been on the Browns, but certainly I don't think we thought either of them would be in no man's land the way they are. Um, Baker's in a particularly tricky situation because the Browns did pick up his fifth year option, so he has a nineteen eighteen point nine million dollar cap hit. They need to move him, right? Like it, it's because un- if they release him, they still got to pay the money. So. <laughs> that I, I think we're now at a point where because of the dearth of options and because of the lack of leverage Cleveland has, they might have to give up a draft pick to move him and his contract off their books. And, and then you're looking at teams like Seattle, Carolina, maybe still Pittsburgh. I, I don't know, I don't man. Am, so. I missing, I, am I missing I, I, anything? No, I mean, that's it. Th- those are the options, right? And I, I, I considered it's it's a it's a redux of the Osweiler trade. There essentially somebody's going to have to buy a pick um, to make this happen, or maybe Baker just has to ball in the preseason. <laughs> I don't really know mm-hmm. what's left during this cycle to generate a ton of interest co- coming his way, right? He he's a player who uses his entire body to generate the torque that he needs to make throws. And we saw what the results were uh, when he was injured. And I yeah. think it's important to note that he was injured yeah. right, to the point that I think he shouldn't have been playing. Uh, we talked really? about that l- last year and, and considering the way that they pursued uh, Deshaun, maybe we should have read into them running him out there a certain way uh, at the time. But like, right. Who are the buyers? Like, I, I don't think David Tepper is interested in another final year of another uh, quarterback who was underwhelming for someone else. I mean, Pete and DK, and maybe you love Drew Locke. Like, ew, like, where's how where, dare you? Public support, me. How Drew Locke dare for multiple you? people who are important there. And he just might. Thinking, maybe you could be in solidarity with them. A good guy. DK Metcalf is just a good guy. He was like, "Hey, stop slandering Drew Locke." Um, well, speaking of Twitter behavior and Twitter comments. I guess I should note that something that was floating in my Seahawks group chats aggressively yesterday was that Alonzo Highsmith, who's a, a a personnel guy with Seattle, who used to be with the Browns when they drafted Baker, has been liking tweets about how Baker Mayfield is now underrated. There we go. It's going down. A lot of consternation in the group chats. Um, here, here's my feeling about this from the, the Seattle perspective. My hope, I, I've been trying to manifest Malik Willis at nine. <laughs> I'm, I'm fearful after a pro day, which is comical that uh, pro days really shouldn't matter the way they did, but he, he looks amazing. I don't know, whatever. I'm here. You wanted him to be spraying balls all over the place. Uh, I feel like <laughs> Carolina, like you said, they want to just do something like sexy. I, I feel like they can't do another Sam Darnold like reclamation project. So um, I'm worried about Seattle's ability to get Malik Willis. I also, by the way, would love if Seattle got like Kayvon Thibodeau at nine because the NFL is stupid and then got like a Desmond Ritter at 40. That's cool too. But I will say this. Baker Mayfield, $18 million. Hello. That's not Letty, folks. Apologies. That's Penny who, who is um, 
in solidarity with all Amazon delivery people, but also uh, has difficulty expressing how she feels about them. So apologies. Uh, I know I'm not I'm not mad. I just wanted to make sure people didn't falsely accuse Lenny. You know, I just got protective's image. Um, okay, so so here's the thing: Baker to Seattle. If Seattle was to actually pick up a draft pick in the process, eighteen point nine million dollars. I don't think he's bad as the perception is right now based on the injured season. It's not my favorite because I want I would prefer that they draft someone, but I'm not that angry about it. Again, okay. again, you gotta get draft pick to pick on that salary. You certainly can't give away like I, you know, I, when this all started, people were talking about third round draft pick. I'm like, no, absolutely not. That team has no leverage right now. So that's where I stand at the moment on uh, on Baker to Seattle. What do you want, Mina? Well, let's let's break the deal down. Like, what do you want in exchange for picking up the twenty million, twenty plus million dollars? Do you want a two? Like, they're not in a get two, but a third, a third or a fourth? Yeah, sure. There we go. It, it, it's one year and eighteen million dollars. I mean, it's like whatever. P and W Baker. I'm I'm all about it now. I'm on the train. I'm emotionally disinvested already. So, oh. um, okay. So the final quarterback before we get to the rest, who's uh out there. Garoppolo. So Nick Wagner, who covers the Niners for us, had, a, I thought, really excellent piece kind of just breaking down how everything went wrong for San Francisco in terms of trying to trade Jimmy, right? Because going into this offseason, I think the teams you heard were Denver, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Washington. So Russell Wilson gets traded to Denver, Washington inexplicably trades for Carson Wentz. Talked about that last week. Matt Ryan to Indy, uh, and, and they just kind of ran out of options. And then, unfortunately, the remaining two options that you and I have talked about are really uh, Carolina, which we think probably won't do something for the reasons we discussed, and then Seattle, who you can't trade him to. Like, really, the most quarterback-desperate teams in the NFL at the moment just happen to be the ones that are not likely to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. And Patrick, I don't know what they're going to do. I think he might be playing in San Francisco in 2022 in terms of because these these quarterback needy teams. Right. And I think you could make the case that the Steelers have put themselves in a good position because everybody thinks it's Mitchell Trubisky. (laughs) Like that they think that Mitchell Trubisky was the answer to the Steelers problems and they're just moving forward. I don't think that's the case, but there's certainly been a lot of conversation about Mitchell um, that that has people thinking they're not uh, in search of a quarterback. So they're in a good spot. But it's there as you as we mentioned there's there's nowhere for him to go right and he probably has more value backing up Trey Lance than wow. he does just on the street and, and so you, you you keep him and and maybe not necessarily hope that someone gets hurt but you know no, but you wait yeah so circumstances are going to change because right now the circumstance is Jimmy's on your team and there's nothing that you can really do about it. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I I do think this is one where they just might wait it out. Like the Browns can't wait it out with Baker. Obviously, they got to do something. But um, I do think like the the way they value Jimmy. By the way, I should mention Jimmy's value is depressed not just by the quarterback market, but also by his shoulder injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, so that, yeah, that him was, and Baker just got cut on, right? So that's, yes, that's another yes. thing that makes it tougher. That hurt both of them. Yeah. Um, but especially Jimmy's coming at the end the way it did. You know, it's just um obviously because. When you when you trade a quarterback, they gotta have a full off season with a team and learn the offense, and that's something that he would probably miss out on. I think that factored into it as well. Um, I want to throw out one other option for Jimmy for you. 
Okay. And tell me what you think. Houston Texans. You think they love is Davis it, Mills too much? I, I think they're they're okay with Davis Mills. I, I just I'm not the benefit of a Davis Mills, right? You have that rookie contract and then you bring on Jimmy G for ultimately what? Like is Jimmy G gonna be the future? I don't know how they competence. It would be like, hey, we want to be competent. Like to prove that there's that there's this organizational structure and the plan behind it works, you know. This Patrick, I'm gonna. Um, be thing. Are you familiar with the Houston Texans uh, <laughs> and their decision making process? I, I am. I am. I, I just I want the best for for Lovey. I, I don't know. I don't know what way I can insulate Lovey from the inevitable. Um, just you know, just as we recently saw with their their last hiring cycle. Yeah. Um, but I I I would just it doesn't. It doesn't seem to make sense. Um, in ter- they, they already have the young guy, the, the young guy that they like, um, and they don't have to pay to bring in a guy coming off of shoulder surgery who ultimately, in, in his two premier opportunities, uh, delivered underwhelming performances. The second one, he was hurt, right? But still, it's it's tough. To two Super Bowl champions, mind you. Is it possible to feel bad for an incredibly handsome man who's made like over a yeah. hundred million dollars? <laughs> yeah, because he's he's a good dude. <laughs> yes, like, he is by all accounts. He's a really, adored. really good dude. Yeah, well, unlike you know, I mean, we're we've talked about some other quarterbacks today who are not adored. <laughs> clearly, Jimmy G seems to be like one of the most beloved locker room guys in the NFL. Um, and I have unfortunately acquired some reputation for my jimmy g slander <laughs> but uh I, I he seems great i i just didn't think he was a good quarterback last year or you know whatever anyways um and the team the team honestly they they had a plan to move on at the start of the season as well and i think it says a lot about jimmy and his relationship that he's able to even have a farewell news conference at the end of the season yeah uh, considering how public the breakup was going to be um jimmy's not you know having jimmy on your team doesn't hurt anybody no. Um, and, and that's why I think like having him around because people talk about like, oh, trouble in the locker room. Like, no, all that stuff he'll be cool. Anyway, he'll be cool. But yeah. Jimmy's fine. He's like that, you know, like that super senior who's still on campus and <laughs> hooking up with freshmen and everybody but likes Jimmy, them. Jimmy wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you some links after. Okay. Um, <laughs> after the break, let's finally talk about the gigantic trade which was the Cleveland Browns acquisition of Deshaun Watson. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space 
to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. So, guys, last week, I was trying to just keep the timeline in mind. So when I interviewed Jenny Vrentis on this podcast about the whole Deshaun Watson, Watson backstory, the legal aspects, the stories that I think a lot of people haven't heard, everything she's reported on, that was after the grand jury declined to indict him, but before like the list of teams really got narrowed down. You know, We were kind of hearing whispers of teams that were interested. Now we know that there were 13 teams, which is freaking third of the NFL. Uh, no, it's not third. It's, I'm not going to do math. Anyways, it's between third and half. But um, yeah, so in that time, it got narrowed down to, actually, I think I have the list in front of me, Cleveland, comically Indian. These are the teams he said he would waive his no trade clause for. Cleveland, Indianapolis, comically, uh, and then the Panthers, Saints, and Falcons. So and then those felt the Texans were like, come on, Indianapolis. Uh, the Browns seemingly fell off the board and it was down to the Panthers, Saints and Falcons. I think the Saints were eliminated or no, no, pardon me. The Panthers were eliminated and then it came down to the Saints and Falcons. So it really looked at a moment for a time like he was going to be in the NFC South, perhaps go back to Atlanta. We heard heartwarming stories about his time there as a ball boy. So anyways, then Friday, Sorry, the, I hope the sarcasm came across there just now. FYI. It did to me. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, so then Friday, boom, Cleveland comes swooping back in with all of the money. All of the money. Five years, $230 million, most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL. Um, and notably, they baked into their contract uh, protections protecting his future signing bonuses against suspensions, suspensions, pardon me. This is reported, reported by Pro Football Talk, and uh, you can see it on the Spotrive listing for the contract. Obviously, with these contracts, we never know like the whole situation, but they seem to basically have given him everything he wanted. I, I don't really think like, I mean, I just, that's that's what they did. They, they basically just went in with the money. Um... So that in and of itself was pretty shocking. It was shocking, I thought, just sort of the, the shocking, Patrick, that a guy could be accused by two dozen women of sexual misconduct, sexual assault, sit out for a season, come back and have actually seemingly gained leverage to the point where, I mean, we're, I was talking about The Bachelor earlier, literally this process felt like an extremely f***ed up version of The Bachelor. Um, so I guess before we get to what the Browns did next, what was your reaction on Friday when this deal came through? 
Uh, honestly, you know, because we had just finished the show, uh, I was walking out and I saw that the deal went down and I looked back to Bridget Condon. She just started a news shift and she was going on to do the breaking news. And I just went to because I had to go pick up the kids because um, I honestly I wasn't surprised. Um, people with a lot of money make decisions in search of their own goals, despite the input of most other people on the planet, almost 100 yeah. percent of the, pa- the time. Um, that's kind of the only way to amass that kind of wealth in the first place. And if it wasn't obvious before, like the, the Browns are prioritizing winning here. Um, yep. And I, I told you last week, I, I appreciated your conversation with Jenny, right? Going through the her investigation, right? And the statements of one accuser and some of the aspects of the others and the postscript to that episode as well, where we kind of figure out how we're going to talk about this. Because a few people have reached out to me and I do think some of them had asked the questions in good faith, like, why are we discussing Deshaun in this fashion and not Ben Roethlisberger or Jameis Winston or any other other number of players accused of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, or even rape? Yeah. And like my honest answer is for me personally, right? I am using my view of how to have these conversations where we can facilitate a world where there's reduced sexual violence, right? Uh, it's not 2009. It's not 2012. It's 2022. And that's not to say that instances of sexual violence are different now. I'm saying that it is now. Yeah. <laughs> and and there is a responsibility uh, to try uh, to do better. Um, and I, I looked at the way that these teams reacted after, after that Friday, uh, where there was uh, no indictment. And the one thing that like clearly that was in the forefront of my mind, right? The American criminal legal system is a net distributor of sexual violence. Uh, there's instances of sexual violence in hundreds of jails, detention centers, prisons in America. Uh, the vast majority of rapes go unreported, fewer lead to charges. There are survivors of sexual violence incarcerated everywhere in America. There are children uh, that are in these systems that are victims of sexual violence. And if you are relying on this criminal legal system to be your moral compass on issues of sexual violence, you're way behind. Um, so I can't tell other people how to feel. All I can do is try to facilitate a conversation uh, where we try to do better. And, and so yeah. that's 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 where I'm coming on it. And I, I, I don't really know, other than trying to win football games, um, what the Browns prioritized here or, or the teams that were also involved in the discussions. Yes. It's not just the Browns. I, I really want to reinforce that because I've been hard on the Browns because the Browns are the ultimately pulled the trigger and put out a statement that we're going to discuss in a second. But again, 13 teams came down to, you know, other teams very seriously. We talked about the Falcons earlier. Uh, nobody's really covered themselves in glory here. You mentioned something though I do want to address, which is like the Winston Roethlisberger of this all, you know, cause that's something I've been pondering like, dang, like, have I, did I, well, first of all, I wasn't covering the NFL when the Ben Roethlisberger stuff happened, but you know, or, or actually Jameis Winston, I was an analyst at the time, but like I talk about them now just as football players. Um, I've really like when Ben Roethlisberger retired, I, I you know, I, I remember saying to Pusey, I was like, I'm not doing the Ben Roethlisberger redemption tour, Ben Roethlisberger. Right. I'll talk about him as a football player. He's been a football player for a very long time. And, you know, I imagine at some point I'm probably going to get to that, get there rather with Deshaun Watson, where I'm just talking about him as a football player. That said, I think how we talk about this right now in the immediate wake of this, it, it does matter. Like the timing does matter because the message, like we can, we can be 
cynical about it. The Browns certainly aren't to say, hey, bunch of teams trying to win. Clearly, this is how the NFL works. Sure. But the message that the decision, not just the decision to trade for him, but the the money and the the guarantees and the protections and then their statement, the message that it sends to survivors, I mean, it matters right now. And I think it matters that we challenge it right now more than it ever will. Because, you know, when, when, and I've, I've heard this from a lot of people, when there are people, especially women, but turn on the TV and they see people talking about it, like it's just business as usual. It makes them feel like shit. It's a reminder that you are not valued uh, and and someone else is valued because they're talent. I think that, I don't know, that it, it is important that we challenge that. Um, I did talk about the Browns and their statement. So I do want to address that. So, so the Browns, they make the trade on Friday. Then on Sunday, they put out a series of statements from Jimmy and D. Haslam. Uh, Stefanski, the coach, Andrew Barry, the GM, they basically all kind of say the same thing, which is, ah, we did an extensive investigation into Watson. We met with him, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so then immediately it comes out that uh, from Tony Busby, who represents the, the, uh, all the women who filed civil suits as well as criminal ones. Uh, I haven't heard from them <laughs> at all. Right. In this extensive investigation, I've seen people say, well, they don't want to talk to them because of the criminal lawsuit. Not all the women filed criminal lawsuits. So there's nothing to stopping teams from talking to the women who filed civil lawsuits. It doesn't make any sense. So I just want to, I've asked lawyers about this. That's something they could have done. Um, But they didn't. And we know why they didn't. Then I want to say it was yesterday, Jeff Lloyd at The Athletic put out a story that sort of did get into the, again, quote unquote, extensive investigation saying they didn't contact Busby for fear that their interest would become public, which, by the way, we already freaking knew. Uh, and then he says, I'm reading, they did, however, speak extensively with three female attorneys associated with Harden's defense team. Uh, and then they talked to Watson about the case for roughly 30 minutes. Um, so whatever you think of this, whatever you think of, you know, innocent until proven guilty, whatever, the, the obviously the grand jury non-indictment matters, that is not an extensive investigation. So the rounds not only displayed their cynicism, I feel like they've been incredibly dishonest from the beginning. Um, and I don't really, I, I don't really feel how you, how anyone cannot see that. Yeah. It's that's 1.3 minutes per accusation um, in terms of the, the conversation, right? If it's 30 minutes, uh, if we do believe it's, it's 30 entire minutes. Um, and as you alluded to, right, the, the reason that you don't reach out and ask those questions to the accusers, right. Uh, to the alleged victims is because you you don't want to ask questions that you don't want the answers to uh, because they've already made the decision uh, going into the process. And it's even looking at it now, right? The decision's made, uh, the money's on the way. Um, How can you prioritize victims of sexual assault, sexual violence? Um, How can you do that now on March 22nd? And I think it's fair to say that, that they're not doing that now. Uh, even if he's on the roster, uh, you can facilitate a conversation around what happened. Um, you you can have the, the the dialogue, right? You can be public with it, um, but but they're making a choice not to, uh, for the same reasons that they they made a choice not to prioritize those things last week. Um, I'm I'm not sure how else uh, to view this. I, I, I'm really not. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in the statement about hey, what what are we going to do moving forward? Are we going to you know? Or- 
there's no contrition at all from anyone. And, and by the way, contrition is not the same thing as admitting guilt. You know, like there's, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, and, like, and not to like, not to even prioritize PR. Cause that's not, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're, yes. we're talking about the importance of the now um, and sure you can do things to, to massage a view. And I, and I guess maybe that's what you're trying to do in saying that you talked to essentially three employees of, of the legal situation, uh, which, you know, his lawyers, yeah, that, but they're women. So it means more. Yeah. Give me and a break. Don't. Yeah. If, if break. Don't do that. Uh, don't parade people in marginalized groups out in order to defend yourself on a fact-based circumstance. Uh, not your black friends, not your women friends, nobody. Um, you should talk about the actual events that occurred uh, as opposed to uh, whatever front-facing appeals that, that you have based on the demographics of, of somebody, especially if they're employees of the situation. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. Um, so, yeah, just it's not it's it's not a PR situation at this point. Like, how can how can the Browns organization, how can the National Football League uh, take steps to prioritize uh, remedying right yeah. the, the societal issue? And I, I think right the, the league loves leeway. Um, they love investigations that could ultimately do whatever is the pertinent PR situation at the time. But if PR is the goal, then you're never solving anything. Right. And, it, and and that's that's just the only place I can land there. And again, like what we're talking about is not, oh, he's guilty or he should never be given a second chance. No, we're saying this was handled ridiculously poorly. That is what we're saying. We're saying this team showed its whole ass. <laughs> that is that is different from uh, you know, determining innocence or guilt or whatever. Um, because so much of this is still pending, including, of course, the league investigation, which is why they baked these protections to his contract. We'll see what happens there. And I guess that brings me to my final point, Patrick, which is I keep getting asked, well, you know, how, what does this mean for the Browns? I don't know. I don't know if this dude's going to play football this year. Like, obviously, if he plays, they have a very good roster. And the last time we saw him, he was one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. But I don't know if he's going to play. So I actually find it, until we know that information, I find it impossible to analyze the football side of it as well. Yeah, a, a team with a, with a lot of turnover, um, especially here at the quarterback position. We don't even know like what, what are they going to do with Baker, right? There, there's so many there's so many question marks that, yeah. as you said, I, I don't even think we can start. Um, clearly, if, if he's able to play, um, there it's a very good roster. Um, they have some of the best players in the NFL. Uh, but that, that's I don't think that's what's necessary, you know, because there's always going to be that push to have that conversation. But here on March 22nd, I, I don't really see a need. Right? Well, we just don't even I mean, forget again, forget the moral side. We just don't have the information to discuss it. Like, I don't I don't know. There's a, obviously a big difference between Deshaun Watson playing six games versus no games in a season. I don't know. We don't know. The investigation is still ongoing. So at some point. I will talk about the team, but I, I just don't feel like now is even it's even worth it because of the lack of information we have. Um, all right. Sorry about all the cussing. Uh, so in happier news, or at least <laughs> less controversial news, unless you're a Green Bay fan, which I guess it might be controversial. Um, Devontae Adams, one of, if not the best wide receivers in football, was traded this would have been like the biggest story for like two weeks, if not for like yeah. about <laughs> Okay, so so traded to the Las Vegas Raiders for a in 2022 
a first and second round pick and signed to a $142.5 million contract extension. Obviously, that's not on guarantees, but it is the largest of any non-quarterback in the history of the NFL. So let's talk about from the Raiders side first, because I think there's also a lot of interesting kind of new angles on the Green Bay side. Vegas clearly looked at the post-apocalyptic hellscape that is the AFC West <laughs> and said, let's go big. How do you feel about this move for them? I, I love the move for, for Vegas. I, I, I do. Um, again, uh, there are those out there who feel like um, 30 is is taking an elevator directly into the grave. Um, and Devontae will eventually be there. But as you said, I think, you know, as, as you know, his friend, right, and my coworker, James Jones, constantly makes the case he's the best wide receiver in football. And I think it's a it's an easy case to make. Um, I, yeah, I do. The, 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 the way Devontae uh, not just chops up every cornerback, but you talk about the great ones that he plays against, uh, the, the, the issues he gave Jalen Ramsey um, last year. Um, the, he's obviously a lot of it has to do with his relationship with Aaron and he's probably not going to get those, you know, five, six smoke routes uh, where he just makes eye contact with, with yeah. Aaron and there's, there's off coverage and he just throws him the ball. The, so the back yeah, his, shoulder fade where it like yeah. feels like a handoff <laughs> because it is yeah. <laughs> because it's just two of the best, honestly, maybe to ever do it, um, you know, yeah. playing with each other. And so you do lose that. Uh, but he, he has, again, Fresno was forever ago, but he has the relationship with Carr they it, it gives them something on the outside that that Carr has never had and so you you do have a bit of a logjam perhaps with Renfro and Waller and now Devonte in an issue where they, they you know some of them would like to ha- be able to operate out of the slot and it's like well how many uh particular uh, matchups can we generate a- out of that but i think it's a win and you have to take shots and giving up Essentially, I, I would make the case that it's two firsts because a you know a a future first to me like you have to downgrade it and say it's a mm. two. Um, mm. So it's a, a, around that price to pay for the in a in an era where success at this position is difficult to find, and we have a, a limited opportunity to do so. Right, and teams are still trying to find. Uh, they're, they're wide receivers of the future, right? Yeah. Uh, and here we have a really, really good one that's available uh, while you have this window to contend with your with your new head coach. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about it. I don't care how old he's going to be in three years. I mean, we, have, we might not all even be here, to quote Kyle Shanahan. So, like, who cares? <laughs> I, I don't care. Try to win now. That, that's my Well, favorite. I think that's that, that – actually, this whole thing cuts to the conversation we had earlier, which is how badly do you want to win, right? Because – I think if they didn't make this move, they would be fourth, clearly, in their own division. I'm not saying a wide receiver is enough to change that, but it certainly gives them the opportunity to change that if Derek Carr rises to the occasion, which we've seen him do at various times over the course of his career in Vegas, previously Oakland. Um, they want to win. And, and and as far as like the the, the fit, I mean, so someone asked me, like, I feel like on SportsCenter, how do you like the fit of Adams with Vegas? I'm like, Devontae Adams is the perfect fit with every team in the NFL. Like, right. What are we, what are we talking about? Field. Literally the dude can, <laughs> I mean, this is why I kind of feel like he is the best wide receiver or he has been because he can literally run every route. He is, I think he has the best release of any receiver. He, I mean, yes, we talk about um, how good he is 
because of Rodgers, but Rodgers is great because of him. The dude gets freaking open. His route running is insane. Um, and so the the issue with him at times when, in Green Bay, you know, the games where sometimes were like where they wouldn't win or he would disappear or whatever, were teams, you know, bracketing him, safety shading over or whatever. If you do that against Vegas, you have to deal with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro underneath. Like this becomes one of, if not the best, group of skill players in the NFL. So I'm just excited to see it. I think it's, I think Josh McDaniels is going to do a great job with it. Um, and I think like to me, Josh McDaniels, I feel like I always say Josh McDaniel because I'm Mike McDaniel. Now it's really confusing. <laughs> I feel like to me now it's just all on Derek Carr, right? It's, Hey dude, you got everything. Like, I mean, it's still some issues in the offensive line, but like, if you can't play at a top seven level with these skill players, you ain't it. You know, and I think that's ultimately like the defense is not great, but there's all the defenses of the division actually have kind of various issues. But this to me just really comes down to Carr. And, and that's it's what he's asked for, um, honestly. Yeah. And we kind of st- saw things before the tragedy with Henry Ruggs and, and, and him killing somebody um, in, in the car accident. Right. Um, there you saw something starting to build with that connection as well. Um, and as, as much as people talk about De- Derek and. Um, the the relative lack of success over the course of time. This is this seems like it. This is the best opportunity. And sure. you know, shout out to to my friend Matt Harmon. Right, he he charts all of the receivers. And Devonte Adams was doubled at a rate that was the highest he's ever charted. Oof. Oof. And 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 I think that speaks to well the situation in Green Bay now that he's gone, but but also the the amount of respect that the opposing defenses have for Devonte and just his. Honestly, I, I can't think of a rep where he's lost at the line of scrimmage. It's oh, tough God. to even think about. Uh, and so you get him now Gorgeous. in this division where they're, they're going to need to score points. It's exciting, right? It's, it's a new team and a new stadium, right? Um, let's get it. Everybody should try. Try. Everybody should try, except for the Falcons. <laughs> um, maybe the Seahawks and Carolina. Oh, I'm and sorry. Houston. All right, there's a lot of teams I shouldn't try. Um, Green Bay. So – my initial reaction to this was tough, but you know, he's asking for $30 million a year. They just paid Rogers. There's a bunch of other guys you're trying to keep on your roster. I can understand, I guess why they would not want to do that kind of contract. But then we hear from, and this is not a rumor. Like I think Devonte Adams agent said this, that green Bay offered him more money. And he turned it down to play with Derek Carr. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I can't gauge the Packers intentions, but I can only look at the outcome, which is, um, the roster outside of losing Adams and Zedaria Smith, who's now with Minnesota is largely intact. They were able to keep Robert Tunyon, Devondre Campbell, Russell Douglas. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anyone else. Obviously Aaron Rodgers and there are still things they can do at wide receiver. Um, I think, OBJ is, would be an interesting option for them. Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, who we talked about, is still out there. But you got to think with the, one of those, if or maybe both of those first-round draft picks, they're going to hit that position. Finally! 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 Like, we've been waiting for it since Javon Walker. And and I know people make the case that it's like, oh, well, you can get you can get Devontae at 53. If you knew no. he was Devontae Adams yeah. and you Stop wait till 53, <laughs> then you should be examined. Right. Um, there's a, like uh. 
you, you do this draft in a certain order for a reason, and, and you try to, to take a, a player at, at a spot relative to his ability to have success. And I, I think it's it, – to me, it's impossible to make the case that the team is better without Devontae yes. Adams than they are with Devontae Adams. And, and to all the talk, right, I think it behooves the agent – of course, to say, yeah, I mean, I had great offers from everybody. And, of course, it behooves Green Bay uh, to act as though they didn't have two years yeah. to make a deal with Devontae. Instead, they, they did – what did what did you call the, the flirtation with Aaron, the, the, the relationship? Oh, um, my God. It's emotional did, terrorism. Yes, oh, emotional by, terrorism. by the way, the fact that Aaron Rodgers hasn't complained about this or subtweeted Green Bay actually does make me kind of believe it though, Patrick, because I feel like if they didn't actually do anything or whatever, the quote coming or the reporting coming out is that he knew. And I kind of believe that just because of how he is. Like, I feel like if he either didn't know or they lowballed him, we would be getting some extremely emo Instagram post. Well, he could, right? Aaron, perhaps <laughs> with all of the leverage could have dictated a circumstance where any yeah. money that they didn't give him yeah. would be earmarked for Devontae Adams. So I'm assuming Aaron made a choice as well. But in in, to, in that in that year, right, where Devontae wanted a new contract, um, the priority was, I guess, having a discussion with Aaron about the future and all the issues and tribulations related to that. And so Devontae is watching this conversation for an entire year. They could have paid him at any point, but they, they made a choice not to. And, and I, I could see where Devontae says, you know what? Um, no. This is this is over. You you made your decision, and uh, I'm gonna go find my homeboy, and I'm gonna get twenty eight million dollars guaranteed, uh, and uh, see you later. This, this, and this, and notably, moved to Las Vegas from Wisconsin, where I bought a house. This stuff matters, man. Like when Katie went, I was even when Katie went to the Warriors, and like got so much criticism for joining a super team, which is obviously not what's happening here, but. He would give interviews about it. He was like, I kind of just wanted to like live in California and drink wine. And like, I think we underestimate that stuff sometimes um, when athletes make moves like this uh, that aren't purely financial or competitive. But um, I, I will say, yeah, I, I agree with you. Green Bay, you can't say they're better without Devontae Adams. You just can't. But I still think this is a good team. I still think they're the best team in their division. Now they get to play in a severely weakened conference uh, relative to the other one. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do at wide receiver. Like I said, they still got there's some free agents out there. I really like this draft. I know it's maybe not as good as last year's, but I think there's some really good options, especially ones that might be available in the 20s, but they're picking at 22 and 28. So I'm still very optimistic about Green Bay. I mean, just the fact that they were able to bring back Rodgers, you know, is that that <laughs> what we thought was the biggest question mark headed into the offseason uh, was resolved pretty quickly. Yeah, in in terms of right things that you can't quit, uh, I'll never be able to quit Julio Jones. Uh, he had those catches in the playoff game. Uh, maybe you know, like uh, let's let's see, let, let's see how my things heart. go. It's <laughs> my heart, but yeah, what if Julio Jones goes to Green Bay and suddenly catches like ten touchdowns? That's uh, that would be great. Uh, as a Julio Jones dynasty owner, it's been a long <laughs> rough ride. <laughs> I love him so much. He's such a cool player, but like the coolest. All right. Final thing I want to talk to you about uh, was just picking a move you loved in free agency. I'll go second. You go first. What did you like? Chandler Jones. Uh, we just talked about Las Vegas, but he's yeah. been so good for so long. And the conversation relative to his success has been like weirdly inadequate. <laughs> like this is a, a guy who, who's, who's done so much at, at, a, at a position that's hard to get. Right. And I think we could say that about a couple of guys in Arizona these past couple of years. Like I know Christian Kirk is, is like 
catching all kinds of shade because he's been compensated now. But it's like, how do you feel about the coaching staff, right, on the offensive mm. side of the ball? And, and over on defense, um, it, it was a better situation, I think, like uh, play calling wise, positional wise, uh, and the way that Vance Joseph orchestrated things. But but Chandler Jones has just been so consistent and yeah. so good. And, and while teams are mortgaging futures, right, for for like a Vaughn or uh, Randy, Randy Gregory, I, I think Chandler Jones, you can make the case that consistency wise he's been better than those guys over the past few years and so a healthy opportunity for him in las vegas in the new stadium Devontae's on the other side they're scoring points uh mm. maybe big season for chandler jones i i just like it I, I like it a lot uh always been you know an underrate one of the few players to leave the patriots and get better did he leave the, the spice thing happened in 20. 20- Oh my gosh. You remember that? Doesn't that feel like oh, the spice ago? wave? I remember like it, we almost like lost the honey badger's entire career because of spice. So I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about this while watching the movie Dune. Have you watched the movie Dune? Yes. So whenever they talk about oh, spice. Let's retcon Dune to make spice about we- fake weed spice. Uh, so I was thinking about, um, yeah, right. Chandler Jones that whole time. But, um, so I like it too. I like it. You know, it's, uh, three years, about $50 million or so. Um, he's 32, but is continue as you said, continued to play at a high level. And I like the fit with Vegas. So Vegas trades away Yannick Ngakwe and brings in Chandler Jones. Um, they also bring in a new defensive coordinator in Patrick Graham, who of course knows Jones from New England, right? And I think this is like a, a schematic thing, frankly. Like I think he makes more sense in Patrick Graham's defense than Ngakwe did. Um, I saw Graham give a quote that kind of went that was like NFL Twitter bait that was like there's no difference between a 4-3 and a 3-4 and you know I mean multiple in today's <laughs> NFL but they're gonna run more of 3-4 <laughs> like they just are come on so I think uh Jones is you know a outside linebacker going after the quarterback in the 3-4 it just it makes sense to me especially opposite Max Crosby I like the fit I like it a lot I like I like I like when I, I'm excited to watch the Raiders it'll be interesting yeah okay so here's mine uh I like it, even though it's annoying because it just should have happened last year. And that is Juju Smith-Schuster finally going to Kansas City. Right. Juju, my guy. <laughs> What'd you do last year, man? What, how, how does one choose Ben Roethlisberger over Patrick Brown? I just don't understand it. But anyways, um, and I think that so so the deal comes out and it's reported initially as like $10 million. But then the actual money comes out. It was 10.75, pardon me. And it's... 3.25 base value with a bunch of incentives. $2 million uh, of those incentives are the Chiefs getting to AFC Championship, which, by the way, it's the Chiefs. So, like, that's very attainable. <laughs> it's like a 50-50. But I actually think it's a pretty reasonable deal. And I also think he's, like, exactly what this offense needs. You know what I mean? Like, I felt, you know, this, this, the Chiefs team have, has always kind of struggled with that secondary receiver, really tertiary after Kelsey and Hill. Um, and just like a guy who can work the middle of the field, who can block, who's tough, you know, possession guy. And I just think Juju, like he's, he's been slandered a lot over the last few years. It's what happens when you do TikToks apparently. But, um, he, I think he's like a tough guy and I think he's just like a really perfect fit for what this offense needs. And we saw them reach for it a couple of times, right? They, yeah. they bring in Josh Gordon. Um, they, uh, after the departure of Sammy Watkins, it, it's kind of like, okay, we need a larger bodied guy that can uh, do some things. That's not Travis. Right. And, yes. and, and 
not that there's some kind of Kelsey decline that's worth mentioning, but it's tough to ask him to do the things that he's done for so long at the volume that you ask him to do that. Agreed. Right. Um, and so it takes pressure off of Travis Kelsey, which is obviously going to help things. And it gives Patrick another option um, as, as plays break down to find a, a larger bodied receiver. And it's, it, it's, it's an upgrade. You go from Byron Pringle uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster. And I, and I think that's huge. And like you mentioned, just do this last year. I know. <laughs> like, like, dude, dude, we just uh, wasted. Like, what? Come on, man. This this, this last dance thing uh, was overly celebrated and, and rightfully not appreciated that much. All right. As always, we wrap with five questions for our guest. Four from me, one from Lenny. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Question one. Patrick, I'm assuming you read the athletic piece about Urban Meyer <laughs> that was going around the internet yesterday. Um, so, you know, it's a mixture of anonymous sources, on the record sources, which is, by the way, why I believe so much of this stuff about Urban Meyer's is the fact that so many people are just willing to like go on the record and like DJ Chark, like, yeah, dude, it's a hole. And all the previous, the, the mountain of evidence that he sucks. But, um, Here's my question for you. There was a detail in the story about him not knowing the identity of certain NFL stars, including, and this was the one that was kind of memed the most, Aaron Donald. Do you believe that Urban Meyer actually didn't know who Aaron Donald is? I, it's, I'm about 50, 50. You know what? I, I will say this. Uh, yes. <laughs> I believe that he did. You do? I thought he was, I, I didn't I, believe it. Really? Considering the, the, considering the way that things played out uh, and, and the lack of willingness to, understand other people and even pay attention to the things that other people want and how to approach the world and and just this massive amount of privilege that he's built up over the course of his life. Mm -hmm. I could see a a world where he's not really paying attention to anything and he gets $10 million last year to essentially just be an unmitigated asshole to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Points Um, were made. Points were made. Where it's just like, no, like he, he wouldn't even have been paying attention, uh, to anybody in his personal life, much less the the actions mm. of, the, of the Los Angeles Rams over the past few years, or the the St. Louis Rams, right? Where <laughs> that's how long Aaron Donald has been in the league. Um, right. So, it, I, I I was fifty fifty, but in thinking about it, no, I could totally see a circumstance mm-hmm. uh, where he's just going through life, uh, not with a care in the world or a need to understand it, because it's mm. it's a world that's built to benefit him. Second question. We were just talking about how Devontae Adams maybe just like wanted to live in Las Vegas amongst other reasons over Green Bay. If you were an NFL player and you were offered the same contract by every team in the league right now, uh, let's say you're defensive lineman. So it's not something where you're like, you know, the quarterback matters or whatever. Where would you want to play right now? The same contract. Are we... Uh, highlighting tax purposes or the actual same? You can, you can, you can factor in tax purposes. Okay. Um, whew, same contract everywhere. I'm probably... Root, like, uh, rooting out the LA teams because you already live here. And I know you probably... Uh, I was going to talk about my adopted home. Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say Atlanta. Uh, I'm, I'm from the South. Really? Yeah. I, I, I would just play in Atlanta. I, I think in terms of, um, you know, I, I probably would it be fair to say I have a complicated relationship with billionaires in general, but if I'm going to pick one of the 31, uh, I'll, I'll take Arthur Blank. You're uh, cool being on a crappy team, though? 
Does that not factor I'm into your consideration? I'm getting paid, Nina. Oh, okay. I'm getting right. paid to be on a crappy team. Yeah, but so. the vibes are so bad in the locker room. Like, everyone's in a bad mood. I'm in the locker room. I'm changing the vibes, right? What, is, what, what are the fake things that people say? A leader? Uh, other things that don't make any sense? An alpha? Mm. Fake word? <laughs> that's, that's utilized in horrible connotations? Mm. Like, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Give me my money. I'll, wow. I'll go to Atlanta, Georgia and be pretty happy. Wow. Okay. I was thinking, actually, the Dolphins, which aren't, like, a great team, but, like, seems like it'd be a fun team to play for. All right. Question three. You talked about Chan, Ch- Chandler Jones um, going to the Raiders. The other big edge rusher deal, which you alluded to, was Von Miller going to the Buffalo Bills. Like or dislike? I like it. I, li- I like I like Von in Buffalo. I, I like some of the other moves that they've made as well. Yeah, me too. Roger Saffold comes over. OJ Howard. I think those two in general change your running game. So perhaps like Josh isn't having to do everything uh, all the time, and they can kind of start with that. Super Soldier Josh uh, Allen is what yeah, right? calling him at the end of the season. <laughs> like, uh, the Bills are my pick to win the Super Bowl right now. I know it's March. There it is. Boom. Do you disagree? N- um. No, I don't. I, I haven't even uh, considered like picking a Super Bowl winner, but yeah, why not? Why not the Bills? And, and that solves some of your complicated uh, relationship issues uh, with the Mafia. So congratulations there. I've, I've apologized so many times for being wrong about Josh Allen. <laughs> I feel like I had to get like I was wrong, like on a shirt or something. Um, okay. You've been really positive. You've been loving deals. You've been liking players, getting money. So I'm going to oh, flip yeah. this on you. Question four. What's a deal you didn't like? Oh no! Uh, I have to reach in somebody's pocket. Yeah. Um. I mean. Or you could just kind of make can it. Can we you count know, the? Can we count the wins trade? <laughs> like, what are the commanders uh, doing? Oh god! No, like, I already what? went in on that last week. So you got. Oh that. no. Um. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily understand Zay Jones. Um. Yeah. Like true. Russell Gage was out there. I, I would rather have Russell Gage. Uh, yeah. Than Zay Jones. Uh, not just from like a, a ability standpoint, but but just. Uh, the, the success that he's had uh, in, in the slot. I think he can do a lot of things. And, and I think the Buccaneers clearly saw that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I it, it was a new, weird spot new look, and a though. weird day for Zay Jones. Zay Jones debuting a new look. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah. Well, be, people are on Zay's hair. But I think, like, you know, I'm, I'm all about, you know, just just be you. And yeah. so I, I hope he didn't change to do that like to try to appease people but like zay like rocket however you want to rocket man like do it i i can't i, I can't invest in waves like that so i can so never i can never criticize a man who levitated the way he did that one time on the sideline <laughs> people are rediscovering it and, and and they're trying to do it again and it, it's it's <laughs> just as impossible last question as always okay. comes from lenny oh boy here he goes as you know lenny's on twitter oh god what? March 19th, what do I tweet? 3.50 p.m., Patrick Claibon tweeted, <laughs> the Vols can guard, man. Why? Zero likes. The, a full full donut on the like column. So if you're listening to this, please find that no, tweet. No, do not do Patrick it. Patrick Claibon, don't, don't the Vols guard, man, and like it. Patrick, what was going through your head when you when you tweeted that? Why, why, why does this tradition... Uh, not my favorite I guess because I continue to tweet. It's my favorite. I mean, it's obvious, Mina and Lenny, because the Vols could guard. 
Um, they, they ultimately didn't win the game. Probably it's my fault because of my not like tweet. Uh, but I just I liked the on ball defense from the Tennessee Volunteers in that like small sliver of window that I could watch basketball and tweet about it. And nobody thought my tweet was worth interacting with. Uh, but it was worth uh, Lenny uh, taking notice of. So I, I appreciate you, Lynn. Well, I have good news for you, Patrick. They're going to interact with it now. No, thanks, for com- thanks for coming on the show. Because they respect me. Do not like that tweet. Like it.